This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really. And the best part is anyone can take advantage of GMC's platform by signing up for consignment services. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com consignment and start moving your cards with Greg Morris today. What's up, everyone? This is episode 246 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my X account is at Wax Museum PC. So the new National Treasures just came out. And, of course, when I say new, I mean the 2022 edition, because that's where we're currently at in the release calendar. And I wanted to start today with a breakdown of the product based on what I've seen so far, but if you've seen it before, it seems like not much has changed. So I'll just say this. I felt like this is a Feast or Famine sticker dump product for a while now. In fact, I I think I labeled the 2018 iteration as just that, in one of my earliest episodes, and that was while we still had player-worn RPAs. You know, it used to be a product where we'd get the first batch of game-worn relics of of signed or traded players. This is going to sound funny now, but I remember being excited back in 2016 uh, or 2017 when it came out because it gave us the first Pacers relics for Jeff Teague. Now it just comes out late enough that it's another chance for Panini to dump relics of traded players or liquidate old relics of existing players instead. I know one of the cards I've seen on eBay already is some sort of retro set with an Alec Burks patch. I mean, let's be real. No one's asking for that. So that's enough to give you a picture. And that's probably all I'm going to say about the new NT. I hope you guys can see my dilemma, though, because I want to talk about more new products. However, the current state of manufacturing is still an absolute mess, and it's not just that things are late, because it would be one thing if products were delayed so they could get them right, but really they're just delayed so they can get them out in general, and they refuse to cut some of the filler products that, if they removed them, I I think they could get back to something that at least resembles a normal release schedule. Now, I don't know, maybe they've got a contract with the NBA that says they have a minimum number of products they have to get to. That might have been the case at one point. I can't say for sure if that's the case now, but either way, there's just too many products. They could definitely cut some of those and they could definitely get back to a normal release schedule, but that's not where we're at. So real quick, I want to read off some of the information that's out there for NBA products only. So no, there's probably going to be some draft stuff mixed in if you look at the full release calendar. But um, just know I'm getting this information from a website called Cardboard Connection. That's where I generally go to for information about modern releases. So the schedule currently looks as follows. So we had National Treasures, which came out on November 15th. And then a week later on November 22nd, we're supposed to get 2023 NBA hoops. So that will be the first official pack pulled 
regular release set of Victor Wimbanyama. And I know people might say, well, he was in packs at the National or this or that or whatever. You get what I'm saying. It's the first traditional release that we're going to have Victor cards in. And then on December 6th, we're going to get 2022 Panini 1 and 1. So we're going back to the older products. On December 13th, we're going to get Immaculate. On January 3rd, we're going to get Flawless. And then that appears to be the end of the 2022 product. So in January of 2024, we finally reached the end of the 2022 products. Then on January 31st, we have Origin scheduled for 2023. And then they've got Prism on the release calendar, but it's got a big TBA next to it. So who really knows when that's coming out? And I'm going to guess that's going to be delayed. And really all of these are subject to change. I'll take that one step further and say it's likely to change, but at least gives you an idea of when things are coming out, just in case you need to plan accordingly. I know I used to save up a little money ahead of Flawless so I could buy some of the jumbo patches because a lot of this stuff shows up for sale on the secondary market around release, and then it gets progressively harder to find after that, so that might be something worth keeping in mind. All right, before I move into today's conversation, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com. Are you tired of spending hours listing cards for sale? I am. I stopped that years ago. If you're like me, then you're in luck because the ComC consignment marketplace is the easiest place to sell cards online. ComC will identify, scan, list, store, insure, package, and ship, which is my least favorite part, the shipping, just send them your sports cards, trading cards, and collectibles, and they will take care of the rest. All you do is set the price. Visit ComC.com today to start selling your cards. Okay, and then real quick, some of you have asked me for ways you can help support this show. The easiest way is my eBay affiliate link, and using this link costs you absolutely nothing, just an extra 30 seconds or so of your time, but it helps support the show. To access this link, Simply go to waxmuseumpodcast.com, click the eBay logo, shop as planned, so whatever you are going to buy anyway, just click my link first, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hey, this is Bob Nettleke, former Indiana Pacer, played on a few championship teams, had a lot of fun. You know, I'm listening to the Wax Museum Podcast, one of the best there is. Okay, so joining me today is someone you heard from a couple weeks ago on my listener hot takes episode. In fact, I think he had the hottest take of all of those that were submitted. You know, the one that speculated on the relevance of Bowman U. You might know Kyle from his Instagram where he posts under the handle at Kyle underscore collects. That's where you'll see cards of everyone from Jeff Gordon to Eric Gordon. No relation, by the way. Kyle, I could ask the normal how's it going question, but really what fun is that? I want you to give the listeners at home your original hot take that I kicked back to you a couple weeks ago. Let's start with that. So my hottest take, I've had friends tell me that this is a, a molten hot take, is that Aaliyah Boston will have a more significant career than Victor Wembanyama. Okay, talk me through that a little bit. I'm not going to immediately dismiss it. It is scorching, but uh, proceed. So Boston has all of the accolades. She was a four-time All-American. She has several National Player of the Year awards. She was a national champion. She's a five-time gold medalist in international competitions. And she's competing for a spot on the 2024 Olympic team where the U.S. women will be the, the clear gold medal favorite. 
She was a unanimous rookie of the year. She's the sixth rookie to ever start an all-star game. In an athletic poll of current WNBA players, 28% chose her as the most likely to be the best player in the WNBA in five years, second only to Asia Wilson, who is on a clear goat track. This year, the Fever are the favorite to get the number one pick. So they're going to be adding a player like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, Paige Beckers, Cameron Brink, etc. They're really following Las Vegas's model with Aaliyah Boston in the Asia Wilson role and then adding a, just a hugely talented player around her. Okay, so I will say this. Even if you're wrong, as a Fever fan, I'm very excited about it. I'd love to add somebody like Caitlin or Angel. So yes, I am looking forward to that. I don't know if I agree with the take. Um, I might put it up there with Will's top 15 Nick of all time, Julius Randall take. I'm still giving <laughs> him a hard time for that. Sorry, Will. But um, yeah, okay. So let me clarify. The only reason I kicked that back in the first place for the people at home, the only reason I kicked it back was because I wanted it to be card related. So I'm glad we could revisit that today though, because I think it's a fun one that's bound to ruffle some feathers. Uh, Victor, of course, has been amazing. Aaliyah Boston's amazing as well. And I, I was going to say, I agree. Weminyama looks awesome. Defensively, he's incredible. You know, people are having to shoot it 20 feet in the air to get over him. But he's never going to have the international accolades, you know, the the men's bracket in Olympics and FIBA World Cup and things like that. It's just so crowded. Plus, in the NBA, he's got stars like Luka, Giannis, Joker, Tatum etc. Everybody that's just blocking his path to winning one MVP, two MVPs, three, like for him to live up to his, you know, to the, to the hype that everyone has, he needs to have a LeBron level career. I just don't see that. And, you know, I, I, I will gladly be wrong. I would love for in five years, someone to pull this out and be like, man, look how dumb you sound. You know, this, this guy has changed everything we are seeing seven foot four guards bringing the ball up the court and doing these incredible like i would love for that to be the case but I, i'm gonna need more from him than you know just just a few games where he looks great and then a couple where he kind of comes back to earth and just looks like you know an 18 or 19 year old out there trying to do his thing yeah, I, and I don't think people are going to hold this against you necessarily. I, I think a healthy amount of skepticism at this point is probably the right way to approach this. But uh, yes, I'm with you. We are both rooting for Victor in these coming days now. All right, now that we've got everyone's attention, we need to give them a little more context for the rest of today's conversation. I know your Instagram bio says that you collect goats. I'm not quite sure how you got to that point, though because I, I don't think you immediately started there. So why don't you go ahead and run us through your collecting history? Yeah, so this is how old I am. I started collecting with 1989 score baseball. I grew up two hours outside of Chicago. The Cubs were good that year. The Bulls were good that year. And, you know, one day my dad just brought home some cards. And he's like, oh, man, like, okay, what's this? And, you know, you're going through, you're looking through cards. So to start, like, I focused on... Chicago Cubs. And then 1990 Hoops came out and I was like, oh man, like this is, this is amazing. Like we're coming off of the Illinois Flying Illini with Kenny Battle and Nick Anderson and Kendall Gill and like that run to the final four. And so it's, it's just kind of everything coming together. The Cubs are good. The Illini are good. The Bulls are good. And I'm pulling out my Illinois cards. I'm pulling out my Chicago Bulls cards. Obviously, Michael Jordan is a big thing. And I just kind of stuck with it through high school until about 2000. And, you know, as as everybody's story goes, you get into high school, you get into college, you 
kind of start transitioning into spending money on other things like girls and CDs, putting gas in your car and the more mature responsibilities that not, oh, I found 50 cents in the couch and I'm running to the grocery store to buy a pack of cards. So things kind of stopped, went through college, got a job, moved out to DC, and then moved back to Chicago in 2007-ish. And we're sitting at dinner, we're sitting in the window, it's a nice Mexican restaurant, and across the street is a baseball card store. And I'm like, oh man, the baseball card store right there. That's that's like a mile from my house. You know, I'm I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go check this out. So I go in talking to the owner and it's Tim's baseball card in Chicago. And he's like, oh yeah, like this is great. i I'm gonna be on a Super Bowl commercial. And I'm like, oh that's weird. Like, okay, like but he was selected for a Miller Lite small business campaign. And if you go back to like 2009 and just Google Miller Lite small business commercial on YouTube, he is there. He's with, with the big, the big burly Miller Lite guy at the time. And they do their introductions and he does something like, I'm Tim from Tim's baseball course store. And he does this high kick. And I was like, oh my God, this is where I need to be. Like, this is where I need to spend time hanging out. Like, these are my people. So yeah, like I just started going back in, buying boxes, you know, not not understanding that, oh, this is 2009. This is the transition from Upper Deck and Tops to Panini. And so I'm buying Upper Deck. I'm buying Upper Deck Draft Edition. I'm buying boxes of Tops. I'm buying just like an amazing array of just stuff that at the time I'm like, oh, like this is cool. Like I'm happy to be back, like flipping through cards, putting them in a box, putting them in my closet. And, uh, you know, just just kind of forgetting they're there, you know, he'll have the odd Jordan card there. So I'll grab that because Jordan, of, of course. And I had always I had always kept a binder with Jordan, Kobe, Garnett, Reggie Miller and Dennis Rodman. And for the most part, none of them that I got growing up were any good, but there were some gems in there. But yeah, like it, it was really that that just chance encounter of going to a restaurant and seeing the baseball card store across the street that sucked me back in in 2009 and here we are now. So did you take any breaks from 2009 to now or was it just uh, straight collecting? It's been straight collecting. 2014, I wouldn't say I stopped. I had to cut back a lot. That's when my daughter was born and it was the, oh, we're, we're transitioning this this extra money for baseball cards into daycare. And so, right. you know, there's, <laughs> Understandable. There's, there's, there's that. There are those those life responsibilities that kind of cause some ebb and flows, but you know, there's, there's always been at least uh, some collecting going on. Now, I mentioned a guy earlier that um, I think you settled into at one point, probably early on when you came back in. And, and it kind of surprises me because he, from what I remember, rejected Illinois, but that was Eric Gordon. And um, we have to talk about that because I'm an Indiana fan. That's where he eventually went. You're an Illinois fan. So he went to Indiana. Granted, I, I was pretty bummed out because he was you know, he went pro right after one year, which wasn't normal then. So I, I kind of felt like uh, not betrayed, but I felt like, hey, he, you know, he's leaving us, but he was that talented. You know, that was an irrational move on my part. And I got over it. I never really collected him though. But from our past conversations, I remember you saying you went all in on him. Can you tell me what all this little prospecting spree entailed and, and how it even began? Yeah. So anytime somebody says, oh, I'm going to start prospecting, I'm going to buy all of this guy's cards, you know, I just, I said, look at him and I said, look, man, I've done this. This had to be his second year. I read an NBA preview article. Okay. And this, this is, this is at the time I was reading everything he was putting out on page two on ESPN. Right. Back like, when this, his, his fingers still worked, right? That's what he says yeah. on the podcast. 
Yeah, I was like, man, this this is great. And he was comparing Eric Gordon and James Harden as the next logical shooting guard successor behind Kobe. Okay. And I was like, oh, man, like, here, here's my chance. I'm going to buy all of these cards. And I probably have 200 numbered Eric Gordon cards from his rookie year. Wow. And, like, I, I have the Murad one of one. I have an entire run of printing plates. I just went way overboard. And it's great because I can pull those cards out. And, you know, the Bulls obviously had Derrick Rose at that point, And I wasn't putting up the money to buy Derrick Rose. Like, that that was just above and beyond. But I, I was just like, look, I'm, I'm going to go in. I'm going to buy these cards. I'm going to have these great-looking cards. I think he's going to be a star. And he's not. <laughs> right. He's very good. He's in his 16th season. He's a three-point shootout winner. He's 20th all-time in threes and will probably be top 15 by the end of the season. He's won a sixth man award, but according to basketball reference, he has a 0% chance of making the Hall of Fame. So you can prospect a guy who is wildly successful and has some great individual accolades and a long, wonderful career. But at the end of the day, in five years after he's retired, nobody's going to care about Eric Gordon. He's going to be the guy that you pull out of your, we'll, we'll say, Topps Chrome pack at that point. You pull out of the Topps Chrome pack and you'll be like, oh, Eric Gordon autograph. Like, what, what do I do with this? That, that's kind of the trajectory he's on. Now, you mentioned the phrase prospecting, but now you say you still have these. So it sounds like it, it's kind of evolved into a collection was that were your intentions from the start to you know to cash out big on eric gordon or, or what was what was your feeling from the start i always have the plan to just keep the cards i am that true collector that i buy the cards they go in a box i pull them out i probably have two hundred and fifty thousand cards okay so you you just wanted a good feeling then of making a correct choice yeah uh, which in theory you did not if we're looking at the the monetary side of it but you are enjoying those today so we can roll with yeah. that still yeah exactly and you know the illinois indiana thing like not only did he choose indiana over illinois he also i believe got illinois some uh recruiting violations where they lost scholarships and all of that kind of thing. So for me, it's not only did he hurt the home team, but he also hurt me in the end by not being as successful as I thought he would be. Well, I was happy to see you guys saddled with some recruiting violations. Uh, I agree, though. Eric's had a great career. At the same time, though, I'd say you've also come a long way from prospecting Eric Gordon to collecting goats. And I know you had the the Jordan and the Kobe binder kind of early on. I know you collect the greats from all different sports. We're going to focus on the basketball side of that. There's a pretty active goat debate in the basketball world right now. I know I mentioned Will earlier. He and I talked about that with Kareem. I figure there has to be some major Chicago bias that comes into play for you. And I'm not going to ask you who your goat is necessarily, but when you say you collect goats, who or what does that amount to in the basketball world? I mean, for me, it's it's always Jordan. You can't grow up outside of Chicago with your formative years during the six titles in eight years and take any argument other than Jordan as, as the greatest player of all time. You know, I was I was incredibly lucky. Like those years were just amazing. It, it's like if you grew up in Boston in the 80s or L.A. in the 80s, you're always going to look at it and say, no, you know, like these these guys are nice, but. Larry Bird's the best player or Kareem's the best player or Magic is the best player. You know, for me, it's it's always going to be Jordan. Now, you, you do have other basketball greats, though, right? And, I, and I've seen you kind of lump that in. Yeah. So I collect Kobe. And again, I, I don't know what it was, but in 96, like I just started putting his cards in the binder. It was Jordan in the front 
and then a few blank pages and then Kobe and then a few blank pages and then, you know, kind of everybody else. When I started buying again, you know, I, I was buying boxes like I was buying just a, a stupid amount of boxes. But every time there was a nice Jordan in the case, I'd pick it up. And as Jordan got more and more and more expensive, as I had kind of priced myself out of, we'll say the mid-tier Jordan inserts, I was like, oh, yeah, like Kobe. Kobe's great. He has a card in here. So I have like the Jordan Planet Metal that I got early. And then as his stuff went up, I bought the Kobe Planet Metal because I could afford to buy the Kobe Planet Metal. And then as Kobe got more expensive, I was buying Duncan. And as Duncan got more expensive, I started buying Steve Nash. Like these, these are just like the economics of everything. But also guys that are like, oh yeah, like Steve Nash won two MVP awards. Like he's he's an like he's a good guy to collect. You know, Duncan, for whatever reason, nobody cares about <laughs> Tim Duncan. And I bought a uh, a gold medallion, the 97 Fleer Ultra gold medallion in a 9.5 and a I think 98. Bowman's best auto also in a nine five for $300 at one point. Yeah. And like, he's, it, he's it, just kind of boring. Amazing. That's the problem. And, yeah. and that's no disrespect to Tim Duncan. And in fact, I think I probably rank him a lot higher than some other people do. And uh, I won't even go into, I know you're a Kobe fan, but there are some people that probably rank Kobe a lot higher than Duncan than they should, or even higher in general yeah. than they should. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say I have Kobe in that like 15 to 20 range. For me, and I again, I know there are people that have him in the top 10, but there are just so many other players that you put them side by side and you're like, yeah, okay, can I can I put Kobe in front of Shaq? No. Can I put him in front of even someone like Moses Malone? No. You know, he, he was exciting. He came around at a, an important time for the league and he followed on the heels of Jordan. He was the, the next guy. Right. So well, like, and, and people don't realize, you know, 10 through 20 all time, that's not a bad spot to be either. No. So, so like, it, it's not like we're saying he was a horrible player. Um, I'm not going to give my, I don't even know my official ranking yet, but I, I won't give <laughs> that number. I don't want to deal with that today, but um, I'm glad that you can appreciate different eras as well. And you and I have chatted some about eras in the past. Obviously we both surrounded ourselves with other collectors, a, a lot of which like nineties cards. And that's kind of where you started. I'm more of a 2000s guy myself, and I have great memories of all those years, you know, both eras. But looking at things objectively, there was some really rough basketball during both of those eras. And I know you have a probably a hot take from role players from different eras. Is it time to let that one out of the bag as well? We might as well go there. We just said Kobe's is not great, essentially. Yeah, I so. mean, I, I, may as, I may as well make as many enemies on this podcast as I can. I mean, that that, that seems like how you get uh, you get followers, you get people to come and check your stuff out. Like, for me, the 90s was the peak of basketball. Not the late 90s, early 2000s, where you had those Knicks and Heat teams that we're we're more we're more like WWE wrestling matches than than basketball or, or like uh, seventy to sixty eight <laughs> playoff games. Yeah, and I'm I'm not I'm not looking for like Larry Bird in the early eighties coming over and punching a guy in the face or you know the the Bill Lambeer Pistons like. So now I like two thousands cards, and um, I we've both conceded that that era is not great when it comes to <laughs> basketball. It's it's just a really rough era. I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah. I would say, though, I, I think the 2010s, right, the 2010s, um, I like that the most out of every era when it comes to the product on the floor. For me, it was the perfect balance of pace and scoring. The three ball was picking up. Uh, bigs were still relevant, but they were also starting to spread the floor a little bit. 
And um, look, you mentioned the WNBA here several times. I'm not a WNBA expert. I am trying to watch a little bit more now. The current WNBA product reminds me quite a bit of the 2010s in the NBA, of the style of play and kind of the way that things are evolving. And I, I think it's made for a really enjoyable product with obviously many other factors that are coming into play now. And you would know, seeing as you're a WNBA season ticket holder. So run us through your history of, of being a WNBA fan and what all culminated in you purchasing season tickets for the sky. Yeah, so Candace Parker signed to come home. And I was like, this is great. Like, I've got to call and get tickets to some of these games. And it's 20, 2021. We're, we're starting to come out of the pandemic. At that point, my daughter was seven. I was like, like I, I want to take her. I want to get her interested in basketball. I, I need to do this. I look up Sky Tickets. And this was before single game tickets had gone on sale. I, I didn't realize this yet. Called the ticket rep. And I'm like, hey, yeah, like I want to come out for a game. I want to sit pretty close to the court. Like this, this is what I'm coming out for. He says, great. It'll be this, you know, this much. And I said, for a game? And he said, that's for nine games. And it was something like $40 a ticket. Yeah. And I went... Oh my God, sign me up. Three tickets for nine games. So we we go through the logistics and we sit three rows from the court uh, right behind the visitor's bench. And it's awesome. I've had Cubs season tickets. I've had, when we lived in DC, I had Washington National season's tickets. I had DC United season tickets. The Sky season ticket people are hands down the, the best at everything. If, if you're not going to games and you have the opportunity, like I recommend you, you call, they'll get you some great seats. You will be shocked at how inexpensive it is and how high quality the basketball is. I mean, we, we got to see a championship our first year. Like it, it's amazing. We got to sit right behind the Phoenix bench for Diana Taurasi to come out, like slamming stuff around because they're about to lose. My son had a, a broken leg at that point. So they let us stand on the aisle. We're standing there and like Scotty Pippen's walking through. DeMar DeRozan's walking through. The mayor of Chicago's walking through. Chance the Rapper's walking. Like, it was amazing. We got to meet Sue Bird, Rebecca Lobo. Like, just what an incredible experience. Now, you mentioned having season tickets for DC United and the Cubs and, and some of these other teams. I think I've mentioned it before. I used to have minor league baseball season tickets and that was like 15 years ago, but seeing some of the same players day in and day out or, or seeing the top prospects come through with different teams, it sometimes led to me purchasing cards for my PC that I wouldn't have otherwise have bought. So I know you're a WNBA fan in general, but have you found that to be the case for yourself as well? Oh yeah. So the sky had a preseason game here against Indiana and it was the the season ticket holder appreciation and afterwards the sky players were going to be signing autographs doing all of that kind of thing and it was Aaliyah Boston's first professional game okay me me being a collector I was like oh, I'm, I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get an SI for kids card just because that was the only card she had at that point and, you know maybe maybe she comes out maybe we can flag her down we're all doing the thing and we're waiting and we're getting autographs of Chicago Sky players. And she actually had someone that she knew come to the game. And so she came out of the locker room and she signed for everybody. I mean, to be a visiting player after your first game who's willing to come out and sign for fans. Like, you, you don't see that anywhere. And, like, immediately I became a huge Aaliyah Boston fan. 
And, you know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's part of my hot. Yeah. It might have a little bit to do with how we open this episode, but that's yeah. all right. Yeah. But like, you know, she incredibly kind and incredibly gracious. She, she spent time that she didn't have to, you know, being there for the fans. But even beyond that, like Alana Smith, I have an Alana Smith PC now. And even WNBA fans are probably going, oh my, like, who, who is Alana Smith? She's, she kind of bounced around. She was with Phoenix during the year that they lost to the sky. She was with the Fever a year ago or two years ago, I guess. And she was with the Sky this last year. And, you know, she plays over in Europe during the offseason like a lot of players. But when you're when you're there, you can see how hard she works. You can see that she's hustling. You can see that she's rebound. She is like the perfect grinded out player who is just maximizing her potential. And, man, I love collecting players like that. And so I bought her gold prism from 2020. I bought her gold prism from 2021. I got her black gold prism for $35 on auction. Um, and I just picked up her 2023 gold prism. You can get some awesome cards of some players that you really connect with that you're seeing every day for not a whole lot of money. And man, I, I just, I love it. <laughs> I, I love it so much. Well, definitely when you're, you say you collect Kobe and then you say, you know, you're also collecting, I, I don't even remember, honestly, I don't even remember the player's name you just said, but yeah. Uh, yeah so the difference between the prices there is you're going to get her best card. So that's awesome. Kyle, as we begin to wind things down today, you've talked a little bit about your PC, but I want to shift gears here and, and hear more about your favorite cards specifically, which I don't know if it's any of them you've mentioned up to this point. You've listened to this show before, so you know the drill. Uh, run me through your three favorite cards in your collection, starting with number three and working your way up to number one. Oh, man. Okay. I'm just going to say they're all... Nope. No. Not how uh, this works. Okay. Um, Number three, I'm going to go with the Topps Mystery Finest Jordan with Peel. So I think it was 96, 97, where they had the black peel on the front. And if you peel it off, it's either the... Bordered Finest, the Borderless Finest, or the Bordered Refractor, or possibly the Borderless Refractor. And they all have different odds, but you don't know what it is until you peel the peel. And I had a Penny Hardaway that I pulled from a pack way back, way back at release. And I always kept it with a peel. I was like, man, this is like, this is kind of cool. Like, you just don't know what it is. And I searched and searched and searched and I finally found one on auction and I bought it for $40. And I was like, this, like, this is the coolest card ever. You know, wor worst case, if I were to peel it, it's worth, you know, $40, but I could peel it and it could be worth thousands. And you, you just don't know. Um, I tried to send it into PSA to get it graded with the peel <laughs> and they won't grade it because they don't know which version it is. Okay. And I, and I, I kind of love it. Like it's, it's just this weird, strange card. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of a workaround because they, they can't even say like authentic Michael Jordan card because they still yeah. have to have some sort of a title. They can't just put options on there. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's such a cool piece that unless you collect it at that time, and unless you are like hardcore in that that no peel category, you're going to peel it off and see and then you know, but in, until then, it's kind of like Schrodinger's card. Like it's a borderless refractor to me, and I'll never know. So that doesn't eat at you like you love the mystery of it, but you don't yeah. want some sort of resolution. No. And like, I, I am a hundred percent in the, like, if I get cards, like I am opening them. Like I can't leave them in the pack that that's a big no for me, but I've actually thought about trying to find and complete that set all with the peel, just because it's such a, a unique thing. Not even like peel a corner. That's kind of what I'm thinking, but I guess that yeah. still reveals it and kind of ruins it for you. Okay. Yeah. So that's number three, not a card I expected. <laughs> Let's hear what number two is. Okay, number two is the 2011 NBA Hoop Black Mamba Kobe card. And it is like a super, super, super short print. Like, I, I have no idea how few or how many there are, but I have seen two. There's the one I have, and there's one other collector on Instagram who recently posted one. And Is this the same year as the, was it the Durantula card? So the 2012 was the Durantula card. 2011 was the Black Mamba and Blake Superior card. Okay. So the Durantula was supposedly one in 20 cases. But if you assume that the Blake Superior is one in 20 and the Kobe is also similarly, you're looking at like one in 40 cases maybe for one of these. Like it, it never shows up. And on a whim, I Googled or like I, I searched for one on eBay and found it. And I was like, oh my God, like this, like this is amazing. I did this stupid thing that people do. And I tried to make an offer. Okay. I've been there. And, I'm that yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. And talked to a friend, told him that I, you know, found this card, like told, was talking about it, told him I made an offer and immediately it sold. And I was like, oh my God, like I missed it. I will never see this card again. I've missed it. Why? Why, why did I do this? I like, I could have just paid the asking price and been done with it and been happy and it would have been great. But that friend actually bought me the card for Christmas and gave it to me. And so just, again, like it, it, it's one of those cards that you never see. And again, knowing that I have a friend that would just be like, dude, you're, you're being stupid. Just buy the card and then go and buy it and give it to me. Like that's, it, it's a, it's a card that just has a lot of secondary significance to it. Right. Well, and even maybe for people, I know I joke that hoop sucks, but this is one of the cooler elements of hoops where it's like, it's a short print. Correct me if I'm wrong here. It's not numbered. It's no. just one of it's, it's a very small, like there's only two cards, like you mentioned for that year. And even if you go to search this, like if you put hoops in on eBay, it's going to give you like every basketball card. You have yeah. to put hoops in quotation marks. If you put Black Mamba in, do you know how many listings on eBay have Black Mamba in them just added on? Even like I've seen people put snake emojis in there, like no one's searching <laughs> with emojis. So even trying to search this card, I'm sure if you had a save search for hoops in quotation marks, Kobe Bryant, Black Mamba in quotation marks, you're probably still going to get hundreds of results. So even, even if one shows up, which the odds of it showing up aren't great, and then you finding it when it does show up are, are probably slim to none. And then, like you said, you let it go. Thankfully, your friend was there to bail you out. That's a great story. Um, it's yeah. going to be hard to top that one because, you know, I love a good chase, right? Like that, the chase of that card to me is more exciting than the card itself because otherwise it's just a, a hoops insert to me. So <laughs> let, let's hear what number one is. So number one is the Jordan Interlake in a PSA one. And my LCS had it. He apparently had a stack of them. 
and it slowly like sold through him. He had this one that whoever had it had gone to Boy Scout Nights at the Bulls game, took it home and pinned it to their bulletin board. And so it has the world's smallest pinhole in the top. And okay. unless you unless you know it's there and you like get real close and start looking for it, you don't even see it. Now, uh, let me cut you off here real quick, if you don't mind, because I, I think I've mentioned the inner lake like way back on my Fleer versus Star episode. And unless people are like really big Jordan collectors, they they might not even know what card you're referring to here. Can you explain what is the inner lake and what's the significance of it? So the inner lake Jordan is a it's a rookie year Jordan. It was put out by Star Company and it was given out at Boy Scout night at the Bulls game. And it's kind of an oversized card. There's nothing on the back, but it's got Jordan with hair. Uh, he's wearing the, I think it's the original Jordans. And his tongue is out as he's making a drive around someone. In like the old Chicago, I think he's got a white jersey with like the, the Chicago lettering. Unless you went to the game on Boy Scout night, like the, the card didn't exist. Right. Well, and even then, how many Boy Scouts probably like folded those up or just like left them under their seat or, you know, like the odds of, of and I doubt every kid even got one. So like the odds of those surviving are, are not great. Yeah. And so outside of the pinhole, it's maybe if, if you were if you were to take that out, it's maybe a six or a seven. Like it is a great looking card, sharp corners, nice edges no creases, no fading. Like it's awesome. And my LCS, the, the guy had it and I was like, look, like I, I want to buy it. And he's like, okay, well, you know, it's, I think it was the 2019 national. He went and got it graded because he didn't want to sell me something that he couldn't for sure say was real. Mm -hmm. And he also didn't want to sell it to me at, you know, a PSA two or three or four price. If, um, you know, PSA was going to grade it harshly because of the pinhole and, you know, they did, they gave it a one, but I got it for $200, which Again, it is it is the it is the nicest PSA one Michael Jordan Interlake card you will ever see. And it's it's actually kind of spawned. I have a a 1958 Pele Editora rookie with a punch hole in it. Mm -hmm. So like getting getting that Jordan with the pinhole kind of started this collecting like, oh, can I can I collect other cards with holes in them? Right. Or other other important cards with holes in them. So like I got the Pele, and then from there, I got a, a 1979 Gretzky, 79, the, the Gretzky Tops rookie, mm -hmm. because it was min size, but we, we got it slabbed as authentic, and I got that. So, like, it, it got me moving into this. These are key important cards. I really don't care what the grade is. You know, if, if, it's, a, if it's a nice looking copy in a PSA 1 and has just this weird, you know, quote unquote defect that's knocking it down from a 6, a 7, an 8 to a 1 or authentic, like, that's my wheelhouse. Like, I can right. pay PSA. I can pay PSA one prices for just like an amazing card that looks like a six, a seven, an eight that a lot of people are just going to pass by because well, it's it's authentic or oh, it's it's a one. Well, yeah, but who cares? Like it's 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 an important card, and this this one kind of started me on that path to kind of looking past the grade on something that's important and just getting the card because it's important. Yeah. And I think um, if, if anyone is, is kind of newer to collecting and, and they're hearing this, the disdain for cards that had pinholes in them just a short time ago was like at a pretty high level. Whereas yeah. now people are a lot like yourself have kind of evolved to where they're like, you know what, this, this still looks great. I'm okay with this. So now it's a little more acceptable, but that kind of stuff used to be just completely shunned 
I'm glad we're turning a corner on that because there's a lot of still great looking cards out there that are getting attention and they're getting in the hands of people that appreciate them uh, at lower prices, which is all the better. So like you said, you got an incredible price on that. Uh, that I don't know what those even run right now, but 200 bucks seems like an absolute steal to me. Yeah, I've been incredibly lucky with when I've gotten into collecting. I mean, I was pulling Kobe autos out of early Panini products. And I was like, oh, God, another Kobe auto, you know? <laughs> right. Well, but, there were tons of them. And, yeah. and I, we didn't appreciate them then, obviously. And, and now we do. But yeah, they were Kobe. Auto, people were actually tired of the Kobe autos at one point. Yeah. All right. Well, Kyle, I've enjoyed this one a lot and we could keep going here. But Zoom is uh, about to kick us out of our second stint here on Zoom. <laughs> so before I let you go, I want to give you one more opportunity to plug your social handles or anything that you might be searching for, these next few moments here are yours. Like I said, I just have the one Kyle underscore collects Instagram, but I do have a couple of friends. We're getting ready to do our holiday gift exchange. And these are some of the nicest people in the hobby, incredibly generous, just great people. So I, I want to, I want to plug them a little bit. The first is house of NBA cards. So house underscore of underscore NBA underscore cards. Man, Kevin, if, if you're not following Kevin, you need to. He has just some some amazing cards, and he is literally one of the nicest people I have ever met in my life. Like, he came to the National and brought my daughter, uh, like, some Disney cards, and he's just the nicest guy. The second is SD underscore trading underscore cards. Derek, again, just a super nice guy. I've been playing fantasy sports with Kevin and Derek now probably for five to 10 years. Derek is putting together some of the most amazing 90s insert sets. And again, just one of the, the nicest, most generous people you'll ever meet. Um, and the last one is Legacy Cards with a Z. Sean has the most insane Kobe and LeBron stuff I have ever seen. I think he has like six Kobe credentials. I look through his cards and I just go, what, it, what is happening here? And like I said, all three of them are like three of the best people you'll ever meet. So if you're not following them, please give them a follow. You will not regret it. Okay. And I know a lot of people are probably driving or like mowing their lawn or something right now. So you might have to type those up and put them in a post and we can make sure to get that information out to people. Kyle, like I said, I had a great time chatting with you. So thanks again. Yeah, Kyle. It's an honor to be on here. I have been following since 2019, I think. I'm pretty excited myself. All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks again to Kyle for taking the time to come on the show. Maybe there was something we talked about today that resonated with you feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast or X under the handle at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Hit up the website for my affiliate links, tag Taco Bell, and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. <laughs>